be back at Harvest Baptist Church and to see new friends and to meet old ones as well. It's been a good week, exciting, exhilarating week to say the least, and uh, we've had a good time. I hope the Lord uh, has, his name has been magnified and lifted up, and uh, I look forward to teaching today. I enjoy <clears throat> trying to teach uh, I think that, let me see if, is my mic on? My mic is on, okay. <clears throat> uh, some places you go, the, you have to turn the mic on. I'm always a little bit leery of uh, microphones. Somebody said, don't ever trust a microphone. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> thank you for allowing me to be here today. How many of you had a good breakfast this morning? One that just super, man. How many of you didn't have much of a breakfast, as they used to say, at, at all? Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, uh, Brother Tim back there, uh, he drove yesterday for us. Brother Tim was heard to remark that he ate like both of his parents. He said one ate fast and the other one ate a long time. But anyway, <laughs> but we're happy that you're here today and... <clears throat> Uh, I hope that we can say something that might be beneficial to you in the time that we have. In the Bible, I was looking there today, and you're right, Brother Shot. I do not have right now a single note. But let me go here to the book of Proverbs, where it says in Proverbs 14 and 34, righteousness exalteth a nation but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalted. Take a look at that word exalt. What does that mean? Does that mean to lift up or to give adoration or to make a claim or to give plaudits? I'm trying to think of good synonyms there that would fit right into that grammatical expression. But I do believe this, as you study uh, the nation of Israel. When God gave her Abraham the promise that he would have a great posterity, a great seed, that there would be a wonderful nation so great that nobody could name it. And then, of course, Israel got into sin. and They had established laws. When you go back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, there were 613 laws altogether. We know 10 of them as the Ten Commandments. And then, of course, God took notice. And then they went into captivity. For 400 years, they were down in Egypt. And then God had a man. God always has a man. He had Moses on the scene. Later, <clears throat> you know, God had Joseph. And then God later for the... Gentile time had Saul, or we know him today as Paul. But we think, what is it that brings stability to nations? I've thought and I've tried to look at it as best I can. Seemingly to me that empires go in cycle. How many of you have ever heard of the Peloponnesians? All right. How many have ever heard of the Spaniards? 
All right? Some of you have heard of the Egyptians and we, you've heard of the Romans, you've heard of the Greeks. And uh, we've known that, for example, would you believe that one time the saying was, the sun never sets on the British Empire. Today, if Great Britain had not gotten the Lend-Lease aid and the help from America in World War II, well, they might be speaking German today. Had they not become a part of NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which our nation has contributed more than our fair share and the president's trying to remedy that, I'm not sure that they would maybe still be there. They're just an insular country now, an island country, so to speak, and they need fortifications and help from us. One of the nations that we recognize today is the nation of China. Unfortunately, 40% of our debt is owed to the Chinese. They have way much too influence and too much control, so to speak, of our economy. Now, I know that when we think about America, we often think America is wonderful, it's great, but in the scheme of time, America is still like a baby. We've only, what, 1607 at Jamestown, Virginia, 1620 at uh, Massachusetts, we had the Pilgrims, we had the Puritans. So we're, we're relatively new on the scene. But we've been great. We've been wonderful. I think personally, now this is me, and I, I don't want to leave it. I think we've been blessed for at least three reasons. I think that we have done more for the poor than any other country in the world. We have, if there's a tsunami, an earthquake, flood, devastation, we're usually the first on the scene. Secondly, we have been a friend to Israel. I think God honored that. And thirdly, we sent missionaries around the globe. You support missions here. I know you do. And uh, I think that combination or that trio or that triumvirate has been not overlooked by the God of heaven. In my outline today, I'm going to follow that outline. As you can see, I don't have a single note there. But I love the people of America. When I think back of the people that were very resourceful, somebody said that necessity is the mother of, of invention. If we didn't have it, we invented it. Somebody might remember Eli Whitney and the cotton gin. Do anybody remember that from school? Anybody remember Cyrus McCormick, the reaper? Do any of you remember uh, the, the, the folks that were able to, uh, the Bessemer process? Man, I'm going back and teaching today. How that steel became uh, fixated to where that we could use it. And then there were men like Andrew Carnegie. Some historians call them the robber barons. John Davidson Rockefeller. People like John Pierpont Morgan or J.P. Morgan. Henry Frick. Those were people that had 
a great input on our society. Louis Pasteur, we think of him what? The pasteurization of milk. Did I tell you, Brother Tim, about this guy that was celebrating his anniversary? And uh, his wife had always told him, she said, honey, for my our anniversary, she said, I've always thought it would be a delicacy to have a milk bath. He said, well, that's not too hard. So he went down to the local dairyman and he said, I want to get... Uh, some a milk ordered bathtub for my wife. She wants a milk bath. And the fellow looked at him and he said, do you want pasteurized? And he said, no, up to the knees will be fine. Now, <laughs> now we, we've always had people like Louis Pasteur, Kraft, that came up with the cheese process. We've had people like Ray Kroc, we know him, what, as McDonald's. We've had tremendous inventions down through the years. Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, that was almost completely deaf, but still had a tremendous impact with things like the phonograph and hearing. And then, of course, Alexander Graham Bell and the telephone and Oh, my. And then in recent years, of course, these guys like Bill Gates and different ones that I never knew anything about a cell phone, and you didn't either 20 years ago. We didn't know anything about computers. I remember when they first started in, and I thought, what in the world is that going to do? I was as blind as a bat and him flying backwards when it came... <laughs> What did I say that for? Uh, anyway, I love the people of America, but I tell you who else I love. I love the good church people that I met. And I don't say this just for accolades. I tell him this all the time. I love Brother Marty Schott. He's my friend. He's a good pastor. And let me just put a plug in here for him. Next time he has a tour, you get on it, even if they have to take you in an ambulance. I mean, he can talk by machine over there to you. Even if they're giving you oxygen, you say, I am going. Listen, you don't want to miss these opportunities where you can go and learn. My, I learned some things yesterday. You know what I learned? I learned that John Leland was born in 1754, and I don't have a note one here, and he died in 1851. How did I learn that? I just loined it. You see, I found out that more importantly, what a patriot was. I'd heard about the oak tree. I didn't know it was a four-hour meeting. I didn't know that he had such a tremendous influence upon James Madison. I understand he was a tall fellow, Leland. Madison was short. They'd tell him to stand up and he'd say, I am. Uh, Madison, lots of times, would come up short on things, Brother Tim. He was only about five feet four. But see, I love the people that I've met. I, I love uh, these folks up in New England. I love New England. I'd like to come up here sometime in the wintertime. I wish somebody would see to that when a good snow's going to be on. And uh, Tim, you could take off a week, and then Brother Tim back there could go with us. And uh, boy, we would just go and see the beauty of this place up here. Now, you see, you take it for granted. 
Down in our area, it's just all flat land, boring. Wow, boring. We, we, a mound that's six feet high, we call it uh, Mount Rainier. Uh, <laughs> but see, I, I love the people. I, I love the people that God has allowed me to meet. Just ordinary people. I tell you what, I enjoy, and I don't know if you do or not, I just enjoy good common type folks. Do you? I like that man that every once in a while has a can of Vienna sausage. I asked somebody the other day about potted meat and they were as blank as my face. How many of you have had a pot of, can of potted meat lately within the last six months? I can tell an, you're being anemic and you're not aware of it. You need to get a can of beanie weenies. We've got to eat the right... But you see, I love the people. I love people. Brother Shaw will tell you, I love people. I go up and interrupt their conversations. I'm going to get whipped one of these days. I go up there and, uh, uh, you know, if you're in a debate, I want to be a part of it. But I love the people that God has entrusted us, the good people. We, we were just poor people, and I'm not saying that. I, I mean it sincerely. I, I, we're, I'm in the process of writing a book, and you'd have to know I, I came from a different culture. See, my mother was born in 1899. My dad was born in 1891. We skipped a generation or so, but we never had pasta in the house. I can remember the first time that we had pizza. I don't know that I really cared for it. It was homemade about 1956. We didn't grow up thinking, well, I'll have a, a chicken Alfredo. See, this belt is nothing more than a fence around a chicken graveyard. <laughs> well, I love this people up here. I love Harvest Baptist Church. I love the people of America, don't you? You know, you know I found out something to be true. Let me take my notes here with me. I got to get down here where I can press it home. Did you know I found out that we are a very philanthropic people? that on average, they say that Americans give like $200 million, $200 million a day to philanthropic charges. Have you ever heard of other countries doing what we do when there's a Katrina? My son and two members from our church just got back from going to Louisiana. They wanted to go down there. They put a roof on for an older lady's garage there. And he said she was a Christian and just thanked them Brother Marty for coming down and she fixed him a good barbecue lunch. You know, why is it that I never see a hospital that says the Iranian or the Afghanistan hospital? But I see hospitals that says Baptist hospital or Jewish hospitals. You see, basically, uh, sis, this is for you. The rest of you can go to sleep. <laughs> The best example, I don't want to speak too loud, that I have ever heard of the Christian influence is this, is this. You ready? You ready? If your car broke down on the south side of Chicago, you're by yourself, and the car stops, and obviously your heart starts beating quickly because you think you're in a bad area. This is a maybe a gang area or whatever, or it's very much crime-ridden, would you feel better 
Boy, this is it. Would you feel better or worse if four guys approaching your car held up with something and said, oh, don't be worried, this is a Bible. We just came from a Bible study. Would you feel better or worse? Better. Why? Look like you'd say, oh, no, please don't hurt me. Please don't kill me. Uh, take my car, but save my... You know what it is? It's the fact that Christians represent something that's decent, something that's good. A person, man, I feel like preaching a little bit. A man that has truly been saved has some love and joy in his heart, does he not? He's not going to hurt you. Did you know something? If you were to drop your billfold right here today in this church, if it, I don't care if it had $1,000 in it, nobody in this house is going to take it home and keep it. That says something about a society, doesn't it? A lot of people say, oh, I don't want to be around those Christians. Oh, they're, they're bigoted. They are right-wingers. They are whatever. And yet they're the, they're, oh, how, what's those? You said something about the dirty shirt. Yeah, it's the cleanest dirty shirt in the laundry. That's good. Boy, you ought to remember that. We're not perfect. We're just forgiven. And there's something on the inside of us that says, I'm not taking your purse. If I find your pocketbook, your wallet, I'll turn it in. I love the people, don't you? Secondly, I love the principles upon which we have been uh, founded. The Judeo-Christian ethic. What in the world does that mean? Oh, I'm running people off right now. <laughs> What does that mean? What does that mean? It means this. There were certain principles upon which we were predicated. Do you like that word? We were built. The idea that as Baptists, <coughs> we believe in the local autonomy of the church, don't we? You are a self-governing body. There's nobody. You don't have a hierarchy. We don't have... <coughs> Uh, Bishop Sheen or somebody that overrules you. <clears throat> we also believe in the priesthood of the believer, don't we, says? I don't know why I'm picking on you for. <laughs> you got that smile. I know what it is. Well, I talked to my good little old wife last night. I've been missing her. Whew. Wow. But anyway, let me get back to the <laughs> But anyway, you see, we were based upon the idea that Every man is his own priest. You can go to God for yourself. You don't need a higher priest. And, and you know what we believe as Christians? We believe that if you're Jewish or Gentile, you have the right to practice your faith. A lot of people don't understand that. They think we're going to go out here and just demand that everybody succumb to our ideology or our hermeneutics. Not so. We believe, as John Leland said, what was the First Amendment? What was the first uh, line of it? You got it. Go ahead and say it. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Nor shall freedom of the speech, press, petition, and right to peacefully assemble and to redress 
the government for grievances. That can't be denied. I mean, John Leland put everything on the line, so to speak, and made Thomas Jefferson agree to that. And I believe it was 1802, January the 1st, that they got that great letter. And he was agreeing to it. Did you know, does it surprise you, does it surprise you, sis, that the first amendment in the Constitution says Congress shall make no law of respecting an establishment of religion? The Jewish call it the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause. Now, they did hold later on, the courts did, that down on the West Virginia line, that they didn't want people handling snakes. Now, they didn't have to tell me that. I'm not going to one of those services. Now, because they knew that this is a violation of your health and safety and welfare, and that comes under the providence of government. But if the brother missionary here gets up today and it says, I believe in whatever, losing my salvation, or I believe in, uh, that I'm just a, um, that I'm an apostle too, or that I believe in whatever. Brother Schott and I might disagree, and we probably would with him, but we'll treat him with respect because he has the right to his belief. There were certain principles that we agreed upon, but I tell you, folks, man, I tell you today, it's bothering me when governors, like in Michigan, and other places, Maine and over maybe even in New Jersey and some of those, and that awful governor in Virginia that's a doctor that wants to keep abortion alive and perhaps even deny that little baby any aid if he survives the forceps of the abortion doctor. And I just told Brother Marty something and it came to me this morning. We not only are gonna have abortion on demand, get this, write it down, it's gonna become abortion by demand. What happened down there at the birth of Moses? Was that abortion by demand? Didn't they not decree that all the babies two years and under? Moses was put there in the bulrushes. What about Caesar at the time of Christ? He tried to get rid of of the would-be what he thought uh, heir maybe to the throne. If life is not sacred, pray tell me what would be. Now, I want to make a bold statement in here. I'm going to make a bold statement. Do I have permission to say it? Okay. This guy right here, boy, I tell you, we're going to send him to the legislature next week. I'm telling you right now that anybody that votes, if you have relatives or friends that votes for people that would ad advocate abortion, late term or any term, you ought to tell them, boy, you need to get saved or get right with God. Right, amen. Am I right? Somebody say amen. amen. Let's go on here. I love, then also, and I only got, what do we go, brother, 920, okay. And I love the providence of America. God's been faithful to us, hadn't he? 
look what a wonderful land we have. Some of these folks that have traveled and served as missionaries in other countries, they can tell you what it's like to live there in some of those places where they don't have freedom. Have, I want to share this. I read the story, I think I related that the other night, Brother Marty, of the Austrian church leader who said that around 1939 when Hitler was making such a stride across Europe, mocking Clement Attlee, the British prime minister who came home waving papers in the air and said, we have peace in our time. Clement Attlee thought he could appease Hitler. Hitler laughed at him, mocked him. Was it not Reagan that said, trust but verify? This Austrian preacher said that he could hear the cattle cars. How many are still going with me right now? What were in those cattle cars? Do you have any idea? They were people, weren't they? They were going to the concentration camps. Dukau, Buchenwald, and others. And he said these people would be crying. And he said it got to the point, sis, to where they, they increased the volume of their singing to drown out those cries. Little kids that didn't know anything but just saw hate at its worst. And now they're going to be shuttered, shuttled to the gas chambers. Only they call them, you're going to get a hot shower. And over six million Jews, we think, estimate. And they say Stalin, we don't know the number, maybe that came under his iron hand. Folks, I'm telling you, our country is in the balances. It's a struggle between good and evil. If you ever prayed, we ought to be praying now. And it bothers me. I've got to be honest. I'm, Brother Schott's not in this category by a long way. I started to say by a long shot. <laughs> it bothers me when I see preachers that are kind of as though they're lethargic to the message. Nothing that's contained in this Bible should be outside the premises in the pulpit. Am I right? Are we going to start picking topics and saying, well, I can't talk on that one there. It might offend somebody. No. This Bible tells me to how to be a good Christian. It tells me how to be a good dad. Tells me how to love people. Tells me how to get ready for a new home. It tells me how to treat my fellow man. I like the principles, don't you? Love, man, is the basis of the Bible. Christ is love, amen. I'm glad that's the best definition of grace you can find is just simply Christ that Christ so loved the world that he gave, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right, sis? That what? That whosoever? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? That thrills my soul, sis. 
It really does. I know that you know that. John 3, 16, I sign my Bibles if they, anybody, sometimes I'll ask a kid, I'll pay him a dollar to get sign his Bible. <laughs> and I always put John 3, 16. I can't think of a better one. Can you? John 3, 16. See, I, I, I love the providence. Old Franklin had a good, you know, Franklin was a, quite a guy, wasn't he? You know, he got on his mother's knees and uh, uh, nerves, and she said, why don't you just go fly a kite? Uh, he said it was electrifying. When he, uh, matter of fact, some people said it was revolting. But uh, no hope for me, Tim. But any, anyway, Franklin, Franklin said this. Sis, you remember this quote. I've, I think I've heard you say it. He said, the more of a truth that I have learned that if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, how can empires rise without his aid? Isn't that good? Do you believe a sparrow can fall to the ground and God not know it? How can we succeed? If righteousness does what? How are we going to vote and put our stamp of approbation upon people that hate America, that won't apologize for our exceptionalism, that want to do all of these things like uh, defund the police and, and uh, be soft on our system and uh, not even have a good feeling about law and order, that want to pack our courts I'm telling you, we're just so many feet, as it were, away unless you and I, and I'm hoping today at the time of prayer that you'll join me when we have prayer around this altar. And I'm hoping what you'll do, that you'll beg. Did you hear what I said? That you'll beg God. That you'll do what? That you'll beg God to give us mercy. We don't deserve it. He said, if my people, I know that is the Jewish people, but it's applicable to us, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their what? What? Wicked ways. He didn't say, wow, they're, they're not too, too, too bad. No, he said they were wicked people of a reprobate mind. Let me get the last one here. I've only got a few minutes. Marty, you can tell I don't have any notes. But I love the promises, don't you? I love the fact that God said that he would never leave us nor forsake us. He said, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We don't have to live in fear. I don't want to be foolish. I thought about coming up here. I thought, man, I'm probably taking a chance at my age. Of course, I'm taking a chance at any time at my age. <laughs> you know, it's just that, uh, you know, uh, I'm just hoping that, you know, as I live a little bit longer that it doesn't affect my looks much worse. <laughs> it, it's not the getting older part that's bothering me. It's this ugly part on my, in my case. 
But I love the promises. I love the fact that he said that he would go with us. How long? All the way, even until the end of the earth. Do you like that? I'm, wow, boy. I'm glad that what I've committed unto him, he's able to keep that against that day. I'm not keeping my salvation. Amen? My faith is in Christ. And Christ Jesus, God saved me for Christ's sake. It wasn't that I ever got good enough. You know what I deserved? I deserved punishment. I deserved hell. But God, who was rich in mercy, wherewith he loved us. Aren't you glad for that? For by grace are you saved through faith and not, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm trying to get folks excited where we go. I, I feel like Brother Tim Butler, that I'm trying to get a little bit closer to the Lord myself. And you know what I've just decided I'm gonna do? I'm gonna brag on him every time I can. And you know something I found out, sis? The more I brag on him, the sweeter he gets. Very seldom, Brother Marty will tell you this, Brother Schott, will tell you this very seldom if we're on a phone call when I get ready to get off I'll say brother Marty I love you and I do I appreciate this dear brother he's helped me up here but I'm here to tell you today that when I tell the Lord that I love him well there's a sweetness there have you told him lately you have have you ever just said thou art the fairest of ten thousands you're the lily of the valley the bride and the morning star I love his promises, don't you, Brother Marty? You know, I don't know if I'll ever get back up here again. You know, I'm not saying that to be sorrowful. You know, I, I hope to, but I'm just simply saying this. This is in my memory bank, that I met some wonderful people at Harvest Baptist Church, and they're friends, and I want to treat them as friends. And we want to be kind one to another. We've got to win the lost at any cost. Let me finish up here. You know what I found out? And some preacher from down home just used this. I think it's my quotation, but that's all right. It's good. I told him, Brother Laurel Bowley used it this morning. I told him this. I said, Brother, we're just beggars showing other beggars where there's bread. Do you like that? Somebody say amen right there. I was, one day I was in need of bread and somebody showed me where there was some bread. They said, well, you'll find it right up here. And Brother Marty, I found that living water. I found that bread of life. I found that sweet manna. Brother Marty's been up here, what, 37 years? So, 35, 35, 35 years. What about that? 35 years here laboring, visiting, working, toiling, Sometimes we all go through emotional things. Sometimes you get discouraged. Sometimes you get despondent. Sometimes you get depressed. Sometimes you wonder, does anybody care? But there's a God in heaven. Woo! He's keeping a record. We're not doing this. I hope I'm not doing it for this reason. I'm not up here to build a name for myself. What would that matter? I'm up here just to say, hey, that God is real. Trust him. Accept his son. Attend a good Bible-believing church like this. Be faithful. And every time Brother Marty says there's a tour, 
you put your name on it. I don't care if they have to send an ambulance alongside of it. You just say, hey, I'm going. You'll, you'll learn something. i tell you what you'll learn. You'll learn something about our history, our genealogy, our DNA. Right, Miss Linda? You'll learn some things. You'll learn why it's good to be called a Christian. Like they're at Antioch. Three of the largest churches ever, so to speak, in numbers was at Rome, Italy. Down there in Alexandria, Egypt. And then Antioch down in Syria. And the word went out from Jerusalem. It went to Samaria. And there was persecution. And you know what they did? They all went and hid, didn't they? Uh-uh, uh-uh. You know what they did? They went everywhere preaching, didn't they? Scattered abroad. You know what they started saying? They said, boy, this Jesus saves. Tell your neighbors, tell your friends, don't be a silent disciple. Be a vibrant one. Express hope. I've, I've already told Brother Marty what I think is going to happen in New England. I think we're going to have a good victory. And it's going to be that we love America and that we're not going to surrender it back to the people like Hugh Hefner. Amen. We're going to keep it more in the Norman Rockwell tradition, okay? Amen. Neighbors helping neighbors. People loving God and one another. Like Bill Gaither said, I'm so glad that I'm a part of the family of God. Amen. Amen. Doesn't that make you feel good, Brother Marty?